Today, as we continue in the book of Ephesians in our series, In Christ, I'm calling this sermon, How to Know God Better. I guess you could say that every week, only those words actually show up in the text this week, so I went with them. We're looking at Ephesians 1, 16 through 23. Before I get started, I um, heard of this cartoon, Peanut Strip, where Lucy was doing her psychological help with her booth. And Charlie Brown was there, of course, needing help. So she said to him, Charlie Brown, life is like a cruise ship. And on the cruise ship of life, there are deck chairs that you can move around. Some people take their deck chairs and they place them on the front of the ship because they're hopeful and they want to see what the future holds. And then there are others that take their deck chair to the back of the ship. uh, And they find comfort in the past. And they put their chair there on the stern. And she asked the big question, Charlie Brown, on the cruise ship of life, where would you put your chair? To which Charlie replied, Lucy, I just can't seem to get my deck chair unfolded. And, and that's, that's how some of us feel when hard times or perplexing times hit us. Lord, what's going on here? But God wants to show us how to get that chair open. Paul prays here. This is a prayer that we're, that we're looking at in the text today. And he prays that we might know God better. He writes the following things down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's a big deal. If you want to know him better, then this prayer is probably a prayer you should pray for yourself and others here in this book. Let's pray now before I begin to share these three points. Father, we do want to know you better. And we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'd reveal your ways to us. And Lord, if our mind and our thoughts are different than your ways... Help us to yield and know that you're not trying to um, rebuke us. You're just trying to love us closer to you that we might be blessed. So we have open hearts and say, Lord, plant the seed of your word in, in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's three things that will help you to know God better. First, pray for God to reveal his wisdom to you. Do you pray that way? One of the things I love... My, my wife has prayed for our children all their lives that the Lord would give them wisdom. It's something that she prays every day. I don't know if many people pray that they might have wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. I've been praying it this week because I'm on this text, and I, I do pray it on a regular, regular basis, but I don't know if it's regular enough. Lord, give me wisdom. Give my loved ones wisdom. Give those around me your wisdom, then they might know you better. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wisdom and revelation. Real wisdom comes from divine revelation, and the Holy Spirit is the source of that wisdom. We have the word of God that the Holy Spirit has written down for us to show us wisdom. But we have wisdom in in, in distinct and unique circumstances that he would like to give us. And as we pray, he helps us. I, I don't want to offend anybody here, but no matter where you are in God, God is so much more than you know. <laughs> he just is. He's so much more than I know. He's so vast and so loving and so brilliant that, that we, are, we, we haven't even scratched the surface of his wisdom. And you may know him, but as you go on in life, he reveals himself in so many ways that that surprise us that he's even better and better and better and better than we knew. 
First, we know him as Savior, but there are times he wants to, you to know him as Father. He wants you to know him as friend. He wants you to know him as guide and protector. And at each stage of life, we need wisdom in whatever area. The need to know is the need to grow, right, in that, in that location. But the beauty of it is no matter where we are in life, the stages of life, it's interesting how life works. You figure out a certain portion of it, you're raising young children, and then they get older, and it's all different. The way you eat table, uh, dinner at the table, rather, is distinctly different when they're teenagers versus when they're little ones eating Cheerios or whatever. And you have to communicate different, and you need wisdom for those seasons of life. When we retire is another season of life uh, that we need wisdom in these things. I promise you God doesn't want you to retire from Him. He'll let you retire from, from your job, but not from His work. But he'll give you wisdom on what the new day will look like. And the, the thing we need to understand and feel and believe that will make us tap into him is that his wisdom is accessible for us right now for whatever we need. It's true. William Randolph Hearst invested a fortune collecting art treasures. And he collected from around the world. And one day, he found a description of some amazing items that he just had to have. So he sent his man, and when you have hundreds of millions of dollars, you can do this, to search abroad for these. This was many, many years ago. And after months of searching, the agent reported back to him that he'd finally found the treasures, and they were in Mr. Hearst's warehouse. He already owned them, and he put this guy on the search. He'd read the catalogs, or rather, if he'd have read the catalog of his own treasures, he would have saved himself a lot of trouble because it was, they were already his. And when it comes to this wisdom, here's the deal. It's yours. Are we going to tap into it? Are we going to ask him for his help? Are we going to follow the way of man? Hmm. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Think through it. This is your life. You, 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 you've learned how to navigate life. Navigate life. That sounds good in one sense, but it's not best. What's best is to seek the wisdom of the Lord concerning what he would have for you and your loved ones in this situation. And so, we tap in. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Wow, it will be given. That's pretty cool. That the God of heaven who knows all would let puny little me in on what would be best for me and my loved ones. Through his word and through his revelation by the Holy Spirit. A young fellow lost his job and he was growing desperate in his situation. He went to see a preacher that he knew and he poured out his heart. And he, and he said, as, as often people feel that are believers, I begged and begged God to say something to help me, preacher, but he just won't answer me. And the pastor who was sitting across from him spoke really quietly and the young man was unable to hear what he said so, so he stepped across the room and said, what, what did you say? The pastor repeat, repeated himself again, but in a really soft tone. And the young man moved closer and he said, sorry, I, I still can't hear you. And with the young man now leaning close to him, the pastor said, God sometimes whispers. So we have to move closer to him so we can hear. You say, well, I don't hear from him. Well, shut the lights off and get in the closet. Start talking to him. 
Start asking him. Write it down in your prayer journal. Take it to him several times a day. And don't just talk. Sometimes after you've prayed, just sit there and listen. And then when you're doing your devotions and you're writing down the thoughts that he's given you, you're going to come across something where you say, oh, there's a piece of it right there. Or he might even speak, the rhema means the word of God for now and, and in, in the Greek. And sometimes you're reading the word of God that's perfect application for what you're going through right now. That's why you need to be in the word daily. But he is the God who gives wisdom. Many, many times in the lives of, uh, of my children, as, as we've raised them, I'm perplexed. I don't know if you ever get perplexed, but I, I, I'm really not the best dad, but I want to be. And there, there's such a unique person and such a unique heart and unique gifting and a unique response from, from my children that I just have to ask him, how, should I say something? You know, he's told me sometimes, no, don't talk. Lord, how would you say that to Candace? Do you, how would you say that to Aaron? And I pray and I pray, and I notice that if I pray and I'm thoughtful about it, that my words to them work out much better because they've been prayed through and their thoughts, I believe, at least at times, let's say, their thoughts that are coming from him on how they need to receive and where they're at in life. I'm just saying that in everything, your boss, he's, he's insensitive. He doesn't understand. <clears throat> She, she doesn't think of your people that you're managing. Ask God what to do. Sometimes he'll say, don't talk. Other times he'll say something gentle but direct. And he'll give you thoughts. And, and, and when we get his thoughts, it always works out better. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. There's an unfathomable depth of knowledge in God. Let me say that again. There's an unfathomable depth of knowledge in God. And we should continually to seek more of Him. And in our unique situations, we should ask Him for help. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't get it, but we're more geared to listen to counselors and books today than we are God. That's funny, you know, we pick up a book and we think they're an expert. You know, they've been through this. They had, they had kids. Well, I think Christian counselors, let me put it in that category, can really help you if they stay on the Word of God. But I wish above all that you'd look at the wisdom of the Word of God because if we followed it, if we paid attention to it, our lives would go better. And I wish that we would know that He... Don't, don't seek other people without seeking him. I guess that's the way I would say it. Seek knowledge from him and he will help. I pray that you will know his wisdom and revelation. Second thought from the prayer that Paul's praying for the saints. Pray that you would fully embrace the hope you have in Christ. In Christ rather. So, he, so we have wisdom and revelation and we, we need to pray for that. But then there are times... In life where God wants us, at all times he wants us to have it, but there are unique times where we really need hope in Christ. And there's that in Christ. That's the name of this series. In Christ. If we're, if we're separated from Christ and we're not talking and we're not in touch with him because we're not walking with him, then, then, then we can't have all that he has. But when we're in Christ, attached to the vine, 
reading the word, seeking him, there's things that he'll give us, and one of them is hope. Ephesians 1.18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He's calling you and I to hope. And these are the riches of his glorious inheritance, the Bible says, in the saints. That there's an interesting <clears throat> term there in your, that your heart may be enlightened. An enlightened heart, when you understand God, enables you to, to have hope. Unfortunately, hope has lost a lot of its meaning in our culture today. The word uh, has generally become, in, in our English language, wishful thinking. So we use it like, <clears throat> I hope we win the game. <clears throat> or I hope I pass that test. Or I hope they come out with a sequel to the movie Frozen, to which I say, let it go, let it go. <laughs> but, but the Bible here is speaking of a hope that is so much more sure than that. This is not wishful thinking that the Bible's speaking of here. See, because today we have that emotional part. When we think of heart, we think of that emotional part and the passion part. But that's not what heart meant when they speak of it in the Bible. It was much, much more than what we refer to it as today. It included the emotions, but the heart, when it's spoken of in this text and in, and, and, and in the Bible, Old and New Testament, it includes the mind the intellect and the will. So God wants you to know it emotionally, but he wants you to get it in your mind and your intellect. And he wants you to have it in your will. When the Bible speaks of hope, it means a confident assurance, not wishful thinking. So God says to you and to me, I pray that you would fully embrace the hope that I would give you. I want you to have a confident assurance that I am with you. At the base of this hope is, is knowing this. In the end, you win. Look what he's prepared for you. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The king prepared for you since the creation of the world. In the, in the end, you win. Years ago, I was sitting with my dad, who, by the way, is moving back to Oregon. I just thought I would uh, lay it out there in a couple months. Um... But I was sitting with him, and he was watching a fight, and they were boxing on the screen. I'd seen the fight the night before. It was a, it was a rerun, and he didn't know it. And he said, uh, and Dad was a boxer, so he loves that. And, and he was saying, boy, that guy on the left, look at him. He's fast, he's quick. It's the guy who lost. He said, he's going to get him. I said, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> he said, look at him. He's a superior fighter, and I think he's going to get him. I said, nope, the other guy's going to win. And then two, laters, two rounds later, the guy knocks him out, and Dad said, how'd you know? And I said, I saw it last night. <laughs> I was sure. I knew what the ending was going to be. You can be sure of your ending. You've already won. In the end, you're going to get to go to heaven, no matter how, how, how uh, imperfect. You, you, you know, as believers, we're covered by the grace of God, but at times we're so hard on ourselves because you'll never reach perfection. The Bible says to strive for it, but you'll never completely obtain it. There's no, not one, not even one righteous, the Bible says. Completely righteous. And God wants you to live 
and just breathe it in. I've already won. He already loves me. And it even changes your behavior. It seems that when we need hope the most, it's, it's during the hard times. I, uh, I got let go from a, a church as a youth pastor many, many years ago. And uh, it was just really difficult. I'd only been there a year, and the youth group had grown substantially, and things had gone great, but my, my pastor resigned. And a new pastor came, and he was bringing his staff. And so they asked me to resign. Now, I had, I had choices in this situation. I could, uh, be, because I'll tell you this, you know, when Paul was on the beach, and he was leaving, and he started uh, to weep, and he, and, and, and he said, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. And, and, and they, anyway, they, they, they didn't want him to go. But he cried. And you know why he cried? He cried because he loved the people. And he loved these relationships. And it was important to him. And that's the way I felt in that situation. I just love these kids. I love the people. But I had a decision to make. Am I going to get an attitude and say, this is wrong. This is not right. That pastor shouldn't do that. Because here's the deal. He's the spiritual authority. I'm a believer in spiritual authority. I just am. And I had to think and I, and, and I prayed and I felt like I, I just came out of prayer thinking this. Well, God's not surprised about this. <laughs> I am, but he's not. And I decided that to the best of my ability, since I was going to go, and this came out of prayer when my, when my heart was hurting, since I was gone anyway, I wanted to have the best attitude I could have on the way out because I wanted my future to be blessed by God. See, a lot of people, maybe you've had wrong done to you, and in this situation, I believe it turned out to be the will of the Lord. Often that's the case, so you don't want to have an attitude about things, right? God stirs up the nest, kicks you out. He did it because he has something else for you. But, but often we'll just start to kick and fight and say no and people and pretty soon our spirits are bad and we've hurt people and we've wounded the church and we're gone and the church is worse off. Well, I thought, you know, so far I think these kids are better off since I've been here this year. I'd like it to stay that way. <laughs> I'd I don't want any bitterness in their hearts, so I better not get it any in mine because bitterness does what? It defiles many. So I said, okay, Lord, you're not surprised. I'm just, I'm going to trust you. And a week after my final, um, my final day at that church, I was selected as the district youth director for the Assemblies of God in Oregon. I, you know, you'd think you'd be damaged good, right? Well, no, he just got laid off. Don't hire him. But they hired me anyway, because evidently God just has a plan in a way. And they were wonderful years. I don't think I could have gotten that hope without prayer. He says, pray that you would have this. And it says in the, in the New Living Translation, confident hope. There's that assurance piece. Pray for this confident hope that you have in Christ. So not only does he have my very end, he has my today and my tomorrow. So my tomorrow, I still have hope in him. How is Paul in prison and still rejoicing? A confident hope that he has, that the Lord's in control. Romans 8.28 shows this hope, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We need that hope during the hard times. 
Psalm 42.5, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why is it so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I've had to say that scripture to myself several times in my life. Just feeling that heaviness of heart. I'm just like everybody else here. I just speak right back to me. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. God wants his people to have hope. The third thing we see here. God wants you to know that his incomparably great power is for you. Ephesians 1, verse 19. That word comes right from the text today. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Think of that. Not only does he have all this wisdom for you, not only can he give you hope that your tomorrow and your eternal destiny is going to be amazing because he's with you, but he says, along the way, I have my incredible power available to you. Wow. How can I stand before the, the county planner when he says not even God or the Pope could help you get that much land in the urban growth boundary? How can I stand there with the confident assurance that God's going to do it? It starts with understanding who I am and knowing that I do not have the ability to get this done. That's the first thing. But I had this confident assurance in his power that he was the one that was calling for this and that he could do it. It wasn't just me, it was all of us, right? Faith was exercised in his great power. The Greek word for power here is dunamis, which is where we derive our word dynamite from, and it means explosive, dynamic energy. God has given you explosive, dynamic energy. It's for you, it's for your children, it's even for your body when you're sick. Our God has indescribable power, incomparable, it says here. Psalm 33, 6 talks about the heavens and the stars. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. So this God is so powerful that he speaks and the heavens come into existence. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Now, I, I have this written down here for you, these next things. Uh, this comes from an illustration by Louis Giglio. But I, I wanted to write it down because it's, it's, it's so incredible that we can't fathom it. So put these stats up there. We live in a little subdivision of the universe called the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way consists of billions of stars. It is 100,000 light years across the Milky Way galaxy. How fast is a light year? Well, it, it takes a uh, it's 186,000 miles a second. That's how fast light travels. And light goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. It, now remember, it takes 100,000 light years to get across the Milky Way. Light goes 5.8 trillion trillion miles in a year. There are hundreds of billions of other galaxies in the known universe. That's just across our galaxy, which is a small portion of the universe. If we were to count... 
the billions of stars in the Milky Way at a rate of one star per second, that's just our little piece of the, the galaxy, it would take 2,500 years just to count them if we named the stars or counted them one by one. To put it in perspective, our solar system is the size of a quarter, and the Milky Way galaxy is the size of the North American continent. Now you think of that, and you think that God did that? I mean, science, you know, I think we need to be careful with science, because science is a study to know, not knowing, right? I think, I think we come upon knowledge we know, but science would verify these things we're saying with all these, these numbers, and, and, and yet God has done this, and it's more vast than we can quantify. Isaiah 40, 26 says this, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. We're talking about incomparable power. Isaiah 46, 5, With whom will you compare me or count me equal? This is the one who created you. This is the one who's saying, my power, that's the power that raised Jesus from the dead, it says in the text, this power that created these solar systems, the world, the earth, our universe, the creator is your father who loves you, and he says, my power is available to you. Wow. You don't really feel outmatched if you get that in perspective. You don't really feel like life's going to get you. You get a sense that you're going to get life. You're going to get this because God is with you. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to follow his ways. And his power is going to show up to help. That's faith. I've seen this power show up in my life over and over again. And so have you. You say, not really. Yes, you have. You just need to stop and think about it. You're giving credit to other things that were God sometimes. Years ago, when I was a young man not living for God on a college campus, I got suspended from a Christian college for my behavior. My dad, a pastor, and my mother were living in Missouri, which is where they live now as well. And uh, I was being sent off campus for three weeks, and I had decided I was not going to call them because I, 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 I didn't want to shame them. And I'm packing in my room, and my roommate c- comes in, and my parents are in Missouri, remember, and he, my roommate comes in and says, your parents are in the parking lot. I, I'd gotten suspended like an hour before. So I thought he was teasing me. I said, oh, ha ha, very funny. He said, no, no, I know your mom and dad, they're out there right now. I said, you, you are lying. He said, no, they're out there. I said, no, they're not. He said, your parents are in the parking lot. So I went out there, and sure enough, there they were. Got in the car, cried like a baby, told them the story, and my dad offered the greatest. He's a boxer. He's a tough guy. I don't know if he had more than one or two messages on grace my whole life raised up. You know, he had all, all power and Pentecost, right? But he offered me the greatest moment of grace in my life in that car. And it turned my life around. 
I'm talking about his power now, and here's, here's the perspective in this story. I know you've heard that before, many of you. But he said that he just was going about his business in Missouri, and the Lord spoke to him and said, go to, Missouri, go to Oregon, Stan needs you. So a few days ahead, that happens, and he shows up in the exact moment that is a turnaround moment for my life. I'm just here to tell you that that happens to you all the time. It's happened to your children. We don't recognize it. It's the incredible power of God. To think that he loved me enough to put that all in motion. To think that he had a future for me that I was not pursuing and did not know. I was headed the wrong direction. Now think about that for you and the future that he has for you, your children, your grandchildren. Incredible power. I've watched people whose children have gone the wrong way just despair and despair. And then I've watched others, both believers, whose children are going the, the wrong direction, but they have this confident hope that God's going to help them and it's all going to work out. They just keep praying, they just keep trusting, and they keep expecting. And they can still have joy in their hearts because of it. No, they're coming. They're coming. Train a child up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. They're, they're going to be all right. God's going to meet them. I'm going to love them. I don't have to over-direct them all the time because God's speaking. The Holy Spirit's there. My prayers, the prayers of others, they're moving my children closer to God. That resurrection power, think of it. Jesus dead. Yes, dead on the cross. And God looks at him and says, rise. And from the grave, he comes out. And God says, that same power that I gave my son to redeem your souls is power that I will give to change lives all around you. No authority, power, no human, no spirit in this world is greater than the power of God and the power of Jesus Christ. He's far above all. And no future enemy, no problem can overcome him. Here it is at the end of the text, talking about Jesus Christ. He's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who, feels, who fills everything in every way. That's the power of the Jesus that we follow. And he gives it to us.